All right. Welcome. Welcome to Know Your Roles, the podcast where every week we find unexpected connections across all your favorite mixed media from film and television to music, literature, sports, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Dave Kleiman, and I'm going to pass it along to my co-host, my good friend, your good friend, George Payton Gordon III. Take it away, George. Dave, I love the way you say George Payton Gordon III. Hello, everyone. I'm George. Thank you, Dave. I'm super excited about the, the Know Your Roles show that we have today. We have my good friend, Julia Rossi in Los Angeles, is a amazing comedian, an incredible storyteller been checking out her podcast, Should I Get Bangs? You should also check out her her album from 2016, which is called The True Love, which soared on the charts in a, a series. And uh, we play an amazing game, a little fun game in which we do, uh, we compare pasta dishes to pop stars. And we had a good time with that. But before we get into any of that stuff, Dave, what's going on with you, bud? You know, chilling. <laughs> There's been a lot of snow. We've had a lot of snow here in New York, in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, not complaining, just like, you know, a lot more than, than we've gotten over the last uh, few years. Do you know, I'm, I'm okay with the snow as it's happening, but like the leftover of it, when you start seeing like the dog pee on the, on the snow, you're just like, mm, somebody might want to get their dog checked out. But as it's happening, I'm kind of okay with it. I think we're at the end of it, don't you think? Yeah, well, we'll see. We, I feel like we've gotten so much more snow than we've gotten in like the past like five years or i mean at least the you know i've been here for 15 and steadily declining average snowfall i would say but yeah i agree when it gets all nasty and shitty but like i wanted to snow more so then it gets like a nice white dusting over that nasty shitty stuff <laughs> it's like the equivalent of uh being a kid and like mm -hmm. you get told to clean up your room and you just shove everything in the closet or underneath the bed <laughs> it looks better like just right there <laughs> But George, what's uh, what's going on with you? Nothing interesting to report aside from like the opposite of your snow take. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do enjoy it. But after a while, I'm like, all right, let's get some sunshine going on here. I kind of like wearing a T-shirt over wearing like long sleeves and a big heavy coat. And then I'm like sweating profusely whenever I get any places. So nothing is nothing is going on with me, David. <laughs> <laughs> I like wearing a t-shirt and being warm too, but I'm from Chicago. So I'm just like predisposed to live in winter for half the year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, if we're going to be in winter, I'd rather there be nice snow to look at. So Dave, we got a lot to discuss before we bring uh, Julia Rossi on. I think we reached a good place to open this goddamn bar. So what we have on tap tonight is a few things that Dave and I want to get to. First off is Judas and the Black Messiah, a movie that we both watched within the past two weeks. Second thing on tap is I've got the Patrice O'Neill documentary, which Dave and I actually recently watched. And finally, the last thing on tap is we're going to do a little, little challenge update since Dave and I are both big fans of the show, who we think is going to win this son of a bitch and who we think stinks. So stick around for that. I want to talk a little bit about Judas and Black Messiah. I know we both saw it a couple of weeks ago. So what did you think? I mean, just in general, I I thought it was very powerful. I don't know if you have watched it uh, again. I know you were going to, to watch it twice. I haven't yet. I, I want to. It's a very heavy subject matter, tackling that subject matter to begin with, uh, something that's happened in real life, something that's very important, following someone, Fred Hampton, who's very important. It's just a very bold and courageous project to take on. And I've been reading a lot of the stuff 
you can talk about this in a second, but you're friends with uh, the Lucas brothers who shout out to those guys wrote the original first pass of the script and pitched the idea. And you told me this, but I've heard them say this in multiple podcasts and Shaka King, the director, their elevator pitch was, it is the departed within the world of COINTELPRO. And that as like a pitch, that's awesome. And like judging the movie based on that pitch is what I think should be done, you know? Because like you can judge it on historical context. That's a different conversation, you know? But like based on that, I think it was so successful. I was thrilled watching it. I was captivated the entire time. I thought the performances were incredible. Kaluuya, obviously... I mean, I'm certainly not the authority on Fred Hampton, but having learned about him at a very young age, being a Chicagoan and learning about him and what happened to him was a very important thing for me to learn. I thought that they did a really, really good job of introducing him as a historical figure and also like doing him justice and his ideas and what he was about and the Panthers, what they were about. But uh, yeah, those are just some initial thoughts. George, I know that you... You enjoyed it. I did, yeah. And like, I want to shout out some like uh, performances that don't get as much, uh, I guess, like fanfare. And that's Dominic Fishback, who I thought was uh, was really good because it's not that's not a really really big part that she has, and she's probably only has like maybe a handful of speaking lines, and she's probably only has twenty minutes of screen time, but she makes it all work. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed. And, and as great as Daniel Kluge is, and Daniel Kluge is great, I think Lakeith Stanfield's part is the harder part. And he, I think he has the heavy lifting of the group because what William O'Neill, while I found, to be, found it to be reprehensible what he did, you got to be able to sort of portray that in a way that has a little bit of nuance. And I thought he did a really, really great job of portraying that part. And uh, to me, the thing that, was, that, that struck me the most was that that five minutes at the end of the film in which you see the actual footage of William O'Neill and how he talked. And in his mind, he actually sees himself as the hero of the story, which is uh, which is bizarre because in essence, he's like, he was a guy who pretty much got a 21 year old man killed. So, and, and I, I also love the fact that they, they made a, they made it a point to sort of, sort of say how young these people are, even though the actors that are portraying them are much older. I think Daniel Kluge is like 32 and Lucky Stample is like 29 and the people that they're portraying are 21 and 23. I remember correctly. Anyway, those are the performances that stuck out in my mind. And uh, I'm pretty much like a Jesse Plemons stand. So anything that he's in, I'm going to give it a go because I think he's really, really, <laughs> really great. I think he's a, I don't know if he's underrated or overrated, but I, I, I find him to be like the go-to guy for indie parts that I, that I find to be very, very good. I'm rewatching Breaking Bad and I forgot how much I love the character Todd. Todd is so good. Jesse Plemons is incredible. Just to piggyback on what you said just a little bit, we talked about this. I kind of, if I were to say one thing that I was kind of like, you know, I don't know if they really hit home how young they really were, you know, because Fred, he was 21. I mean, it's so, it's so crazy how young and how polished and how thoughtful he was and and you know what what they did to him but yeah i agree completely dominic fishback is fantastic and also i, I would encourage everybody will link to it there was an article that i was reading with akua najeri who is fred the late fred hampton's wife and fred hampton jr his son and they were on set they were on set the whole time. And I saw Dominic Fishback talking about them uh, being on set and everything. And like, you know, it was interesting to hear them say that they battled every day on stuff, like, because they would let their opinions be known as far as like, you know, because you're making a film, but 
you're talking about real events and you're having the real people on set. So they were like, this didn't happen this way. It didn't happen that way. Like this happened like this. And what they said about it was that they didn't win every battle, but they won almost all of them. And the battles that they didn't, they understood where Shaka King and where the production was coming from. And like Fred Hampton Jr. himself was like, I signed off on the film. Like, is it perfect? Does it tell the hundred percent? No, but can you do that in a two hour movie of someone who is so important? No, you can't, you know? So, so like, uh, yeah, I thought that that was very interesting, but yeah, it was, it's, it's very good. <laughs> I would, I'm going to watch it again for sure. It's also two hours long, which is like, that's kind of like my wheelhouse. The sweet spot. The moment you get like the two hour 20 range, I'm like, all right, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why is this so long? Anyway, I'm going to run along. Another thing we have on tap and something that we both watched in the past week, and that is Patrice O'Neill documentary. I enjoyed it. He's one of my favorite comics of all time. And the only thing, my only criticism, I had, they left out a couple of things that I thought would have been kind of neat to have heard about like and that was the fact that patrice spent a good bit of time living in uh, great britain when it wasn't when he thought it wasn't working out in new york and los angeles he actually just went over to to england and, and told jokes and apparently like uh, one of his biggest fans was ricky gervais and it was like this guy i don't know how this guy is not big in america i would have liked to have seen some footage or hear some stories about his time in england and then uh, i was watching and i forgot that i actually met him once if you really want if you know the the diesel is that story it's it's pretty entertaining so message me listeners i'll give you the the word for word is this is very some use a very colorful language which is <laughs> yeah as you knew he would <laughs> tell me message me about it <laughs> no it's uh I forgot about it. I was at one of these industry parties that I had no business being at. I was with a couple of friends and I was sitting at a table. One of the, the people I was with was like, you should sit down with us. And he was like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sitting down with these assholes. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those stories that, that will live with me for the rest of my life. It would have been weird if it had been like, yeah, sure, I'll sit down with you guys. Let's talk shop. Let's talk about the business. It was like, the business is fucked up, isn't it? No, nah, he was like, I'm not two of those assholes i'm not sitting with them so I, I found it to be kind of funny what did you think did you watch it this week i watched it last night actually mm -hmm. and uh that's great that story is great <laughs> because also it's like i he's somebody who i imagine that every person who met him once they got it was a, it was all a story you know what i mean like he strikes me as he as that he was that kind of person that like if you met him in a comedy club like one time you will remember it you know and yeah i thought it was I didn't know that about uh, him going to, to Great Britain. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's been like a few months there. And I think that would have been kind of like a need to just another thing to tell a story about. It's like it was him being there. It would have been. And I thought that the, but, but I thought that the documentary was, was well done and it, it was good because it showed, you know, like a lot of, of the different sides of him. And, and he was somebody who I also absolutely loved like when he would pop up in places i mean he is also somebody especially now that i watch the stuff you know and i remember that that special that he had uh elephant in the room mm -hmm. um but i also like i think i probably learned about him from tough crowd he would say things that would horrify you but then you'd be laughing you know and he had this innate ability but he's also and and i found him to be like one of the most hysterical people on the face of the planet especially with like insult humor but he He's a cautionary tale, you know, and I think it is important to like see him of somebody who he certainly should have had a lot more success than he did, but he was also someone that kind of 
readily practice the art of self-sabotage. You know what I mean? And they, they, they talk about that a lot of how he kind of like got in his own way. A lot of times of like, you know, the story that Colin Quinn said, like they make a joke out of it, that they had that segment on tough crowd of like, you know, you still like, I, there's a lot of things where I'm like, yeah, I totally feel him and like, get it. But there's still like, you got to treat people. You still got to treat people. Well, you know, like the story of the, the PA, being real excited at six in the morning. And, and I get that of being like, he's, he's not, he doesn't want to be there, you know, but like, there's something to be said, like, you don't have to tell the truth the whole time, <laughs> you know, like all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting, you know, cause didn't you get the impression that he was somebody that is kind of hard to be around? Oh, I got the impression. I didn't need that two hour documentary to, to, to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was like three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> him not wanting to sit down with me and my friends. <laughs> All right. So Dave, the last thing that I, that's, that's on tap that I want to get to, you and I are fans of the show and we're getting out of the, the last few weeks of it. And that is the challenge. So for you, Dave, how do you think the season's going and who is your leader in the clubhouse as of right now on the challenge? Ooh. Man, I wish I would have watched the past like few episodes right before we did this. But uh, um, yeah, we are getting into it. I'm enjoying this season. We're getting to the part where I think they're going to do some fun stuff because like they've been going along a certain track, uh, you know, especially like with the eliminations of like if it's a guy's elimination or girl, and it's all been one after the other, very predictable, even though they like want to make it unpredictable. But I think we're getting close to an episode where it's going to be like a double elimination or some shit like that. I love it. It's such a glutton. I'm such a glutton for it. It's like, you know, the way that we talked to Julia about like The Bachelor. I totally, ident- like I've never watched that, but I totally get it of like what she was talking about and uh, of, of the desire and like how it hooks you. Clubhouse Lee, I think they, first I'll say, I think they've been doing a really, I think, you know, it's a, it's shot during COVID. They secluded them all in Iceland and like, they have like the, the igloo thing. That's like a fake club that I think is ridiculous where they get drunk instead of like going out in the town and actually getting into shit. I mean, who do I think will win or who do I want to win? You can answer both those. Okay. And also it's still going to be interesting to see how do they change it up? Like, how are they going to structure the finale? And like, who's going to be, is it going to be one female winner on one male winner? Or is it going to be a team winner? Or what is it going to be? So that is almost more interesting to me. I'm like, what is going to happen? (laughs) But I really want Anissa to win. (laughs) I don't, I want Anissa to win. This woman, I've been watching her for like 25 years. On, on my television screen in some capacity. And she seems for being on TV so much and for being on MTV, she seems like a fucking amazing, awesome person. And like, I don't know how it's possible that she's been able to maintain that level of coolness, even if it's just perceived. But I listen to the pot. They have a podcast, uh, uh, Anissa and Tori host it. And it's great. Anissa's great. But yeah, I'd like Anissa to win. I think, I mean, Leroy too, we've talked about this. He's like, the Susan Lucci, him and Anissa both. So you'd kind of like to see them win. I like some of the new people. Hillary's a big Corey fan. Yeah, I don't know. What, who do you what do you like? What are you liking about this season? What do you want to see happen? Well, just like The Bachelor, this is the first season I ever watched it. So in essence, I had to do a little backtrack to, to, to build some kind of relationship with some of these people. And I thought for a while I liked Kyle. 
because he's got like the he's got the, the the English bad boy thing going on. I was like, yeah, I think I can like Kyle. And then I watched like a past uh, episode of Kyle from seasons before, and it was really annoying me that the fact that he cribbed his whole look from George Michael, like '80s George Michael, and I was just so annoyed by the that he had like the uh, the earring with the cross and the beard. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so annoying me. I can't have you looking like George Michael because I love George Michael too much. I'll send you a picture of his of that dude's plastic surgery. Like that dude paid to look like that. Oh, he did. Wow, that's it's rough. Yeah, see, like he, I would, I if I hadn't have seen some some past stuff, and then like uh, YouTube has done a really good job of like doing some things about like uh, the most savage moments of CT on the challenge. That's how I read that when I see that in the YouTube clips. That's how you have to. So I've watched like ten minutes of like CT doing stuff, but in essence, I'm kind of rooting for Leroy because from what I've gathered, he's been on it a lot and hasn't won it. So he's kind of like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> of the challenge. Like, uh, so I want, I want Leroy to win it. So I guess I'm in for Leroy and some version of whatever cam is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so but this, is, this is my challenge hot takes. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, anything else, uh, for the bar for uh bar talk or are we all, uh, tapped out? No, nah, I think we're, I think we're all tapped out. We're kicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We are going to take our drinks and go sit down with Julia Rossi and have a wide ranging convo with her and then play our game of pasta dishes to pop stars. So yeah, enjoy. Hi. What's going on? I like your facial. <laughs> I would like to say that I'm trying something, but no, it's just, I'm just lazy. <laughs> just real lazy. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. Nice to meet you. You too. And I'm Mary Bess. Hi. So so lovely to meet you. Thanks for being here. You too. Yeah, you have great hair. Oh, thank you very much. That's kind of you. Well, we all think you are very funny and incredibly talented and lovely. So so we thank are you. my God, thanks so much. We are very pumped to have you on, especially since we know you've got a lot on your plate these days with your sweet new baby girl. Yes. Uh I didn't say that. I just said that I know you. Like I think <laughs> You completely disagree with everything she just said. I was like, I may have heard of this person. Yeah. We may have been friends for 13 years, but I don't agree with any of that stuff that was just said. Yeah. Has it been 13 years? I was telling these guys earlier, there's very few people who I remember where I met them, becoming friends with them. And I remember exactly where I was when I met you or where we were when we met. Oh, yes, I do, too. Jamie Lee show. Yeah, that's right. You were the DJ. That was the DJ. Yes, that is correct. And then we took the train home together. That is correct. Yeah. And you talked all about your relationship. And I told you, you should probably break up with your girlfriend. <laughs> I think that's the theme of our, of our friendship, you know? Yeah. That's a hell of a meet cute you guys have there. <laughs> um, wait, well, George was a DJ? Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, on the ones and twos, it was a... Uh... <laughs> So there was a show. Uh, it was at Spike Hill. I thought it was at Sound Fix, but I think it was at Spike Hill. Spike Hill. It was. In Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, the RIP Spike Hill. And uh, we were friends with uh, with Jamie Lee and her boyfriend, who was there. That's been so long ago. That's just like many boyfriends ago. Uh, Bryce Richardson, I believe, was what his name was. Was his name Bryce? Oh, I have no idea. He was a comedian, but I don't know who it was. He was a comedian, yeah. And uh, they asked me if I would be okay with DJing the show. It's just like doing stand-up. And I was like, <laughs> sure. There's there's an iPod here. This is I didn't bring any I didn't bring any vinyl. It was like I remember some of the songs I played. I played a Jeff Buckley tune. 
And uh, I think Reggie Watts is on that show. It shows you that long ago. That was, it was a long time ago. Yep. So it's funny, like the next day, because uh, I first off, you're, you're great. And I was like, uh, I fell in love with your comedy as, as you as a person too. But I was watching like your stand up at home. And my girlfriend was like, oh, who yeah. is that? I was like, it's nobody. <laughs> was I going through my divorce or was I already divorced? I think you were already divorced. Well, I think it was close. Yeah, I was really trying to get everyone to break up with their partners. <laughs> I was like, if I'm going to do it, everyone should do it. And now uh, you've come full <laughs> circle and you have a podcast where you like full help circle. people process stuff. <laughs> I mean, I hope. The one I listened to helped me, honestly, just... Uh, what episode? Uh, the one with Josh. The, the oh, nice. Recent. Okay, cool. Um, well, it's, and it's funny that you mentioned facial hair to George because I was listening to you guys and like totally agreeing with it with, in my own life of like, that's like a male equivalent of bangs of like changing yeah. your facial hair. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or going blonde. A lot of guys have gone blonde this pandemic. <laughs> Who shouldn't? Yeah. Are we recording already? Yes. We are, yeah. It's like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> we can cut out the shouldn't part if you want to. <laughs> no, I don't care. Uh, no. I will say it. I will say it to their blonde face. <laughs> we are definitely not cutting out the, the shouldn't. No. No. Yeah, I'll change my facial hair, but I don't have the confidence to uh to bleach my hair. I more. mean, I let my facial hair grow out this pandemic. So there you go. I did I get rid of it for the pod though. So <laughs> you didn't need to. It would we're we're okay with it. <laughs> I've seen a few guys go blonde and like a few of my friends have gone blonde. I haven't said anything. It's, it's a look. Yeah. Some of my friends look good. My agent, my, my male agent went blonde and I made a joke about it on Twitter. And he was like, is this about me? (laughs) (laughs) Do you get that a lot? Because, uh, like you're very, I've been following you on Twitter. It's been a, an absolute joy. Um, Thanks. But I think like you're so open like, do you get that of people like, is this me? Are you talking about me? No, because I think I I often, a lot of times I, I mean, it's usually my husband that I'm making fun of because he's <laughs> the only person I've really hung out with for the past year. Um, uh, no, not really. All my tweets got deleted. I saw that. I had a, it was kind of refreshing. Because you hired like a service or something and it went wrong? I like, I, I was, I don't know. I get really, I feel very strongly about digital clutter like I think there's so much focus on like Marie Kondoing your closet but meanwhile people have like 20,000 unread emails and like blogs from like the early you know 2006 where they're like that shit shouldn't be online like there's just so much shit especially online that I'm like no so a few times a year I'll like google myself or like go through my my you know, hard drive. I just like, like to clean out digital clutter. So I was like, oh, I should probably do this with Twitter. Cause I've been on Twitter since, you know, I don't know, 2015 or 14, whatever. And so I thought that I had selected certain years, but I guess they claim I fucked up, which impossible. Uh, apparently I deleted everything. And at first I was like, <gasps> but it actually felt great. Like I, I was like upset for 20 minutes. And then I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Cause I'm also just like retweeting shit that I wrote in like 2016. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm sick of putting out free content. Give me a job. You know, <laughs> there you go. My stuff is gold. I'm, this is, you know, I can't. That's why I appreciate so much <laughs> because it's like, you can't, it's a fucking cesspool. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I am just, I have stayed away from it for so many years because I have been, yeah. you know, 
curmudgeonly in my own zone of like, Meh. but uh, now I'm kind of like, well, there's, there might be something there. <laughs> and like, every time I look and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Then like, I read like for 30 seconds more and I'm like, Oh no, I didn't. Yeah. I also wanted to get rid of a lot of the political stuff. Cause so much, so many of my tweets got involved in that. Not that there's anything wrong with being political, but I'm just, I, feel burnt out and I'm just in a place where like, unless there's a a legit call to action, unless you're like a news source, I don't understand why like someone with 10 followers is also a news source now. Like unless you're a legit news source or you're a citizen offering a very new perspective or a link where I can help, I'm like very exhausted by it. So I'm kind of glad that all my like stupid, like the president's mean, like what is, okay, thanks for helping. Like go to a fucking community meeting and, you know, like I, I want to do more. I understand getting frustrated online and like you find like-minded people and it's cathartic, but I just kind of in this place where I'm like, I want to do more action in real life. And my online, I just, online is so much it's so comp it's such bullshit that i'm like you guys get the poop jokes <laughs> yeah. that i that i wrote in 2013 <laughs> but i think that that's like the way to do it and maintain your sanity you know because like sure. it's definitely like helpful right like it you know especially now that we're not doing there's no there's no stand-up or anything isn't it kind of like a? it seems to me like it's a you know it's a testing ground oh it's all i have i mean i <laughs> You know, I'm at home trying to work on some writing and my laptop won't say good job and stand up's gone. So that instant gratification of like, you're so funny. And, you know, my baby thinks I'm great, but she can't talk. And so I'm just like, okay, if she drools twice, that means great job. Uh, So all I have now is likes and faves. I'm not online to have a conversation. That's all I'm going to say. Anyone listening, you can comment, but if it's not a compliment or agreeing with me, I'm not going to talk. I don't want to argue. I just want attention and a job. (laughs) I mean, come on, not even attention. I actually don't want attention. I just want to be appreciated for how fantastic I am. And then I would love a check to follow. Thank you. If you're listening and you can, you have a checkbook. (laughs) Checkbook. (laughs) My Venmo is, I would never, uh, I'm fine. Go give it to someone who, yeah. Anywho. But I mean, you're sure you get a lot of traction from, uh, your podcast um tell us about should i get bangs i, w- I listened to a couple episodes of today and, I, and, and i've read some of your reviews so i'm sure you get a little bit of that and uh actually tell us a little about the, the podcast for the folks who who don't know you yes sure uh well it's new so i don't expect a lot of people to know it yet it's um it's me every week i interview a different person it's been a lot of comedians but i have other people on the docket that aren't so don't worry it's not a podcast where we talk about stand up god uh it is <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, if that's what this is, but I, uh, it is, what's your process? Um, but I talk to different people about times in their life where they've had breakdowns and breakthroughs and George, who knows me really well. And anyone who knows my comedy really is I, I just, I like to talk about feelings. I like to talk about places I've cried in public. I like to talk about times I've been on the floor and wouldn't get off of it. And so, uh, I want to talk to other people about that because, I just, any of those times where I've been at my lowest, I've always learned something really big. So it's like a mental health meets comedy kind of podcast. And then uh, I, at the end, I try to share some kind of useful thing that's helped me 
stay sort of sane. Uh, or I have my sister's going to be in a lot more episodes. My sister is a therapist, so she'll come on and give mental health insight. She's like, I think she's going to be in the next two or three. And uh, I'll probably end up doing a few episodes with just her just because she's such a great resource and she's my sister. So <laughs> we love talking to each other. But uh, yeah, it's it's people opening up about you know, some times in their life where they, they emotionally cut bangs, uh, like fig figuratively, but sometimes some people, I also would love to talk to people who grabbed a pair of scissors and started shopping. <laughs> One yeah. of the episodes that I listened to today was, uh, or at least half of it was, um, was Chris Garcia and, uh, somebody who we've both known for a while. Yeah. He's about to be a new, new parent. He is, he had it. He had his kid. Oh, he did. Well, yeah. shout out to Chris Garcia. Congratulations. Um, there was a thing that you guys mentioned, and I want to get into it a little bit because I have been dealing with this a little bit. And it's, um, I guess, with you, Julia, being a new mom and dealing with anxiety and the pandemic. Have you been having like these weird like pandemic dreams that are like people have been discussing? Because I have been dealing with like these weird kind of like going to places, not nobody's wearing a mask and I don't I can't reach my mask. Yeah. or. <laughs> yeah, I had lately I haven't I, I had like a two week period and I don't know what it was. It was maybe like a month ago where I kept having dreams. There weren't masks, but I was just kept being in crowded places and was trapped. And to be honest, before the pandemic, I never liked crowds to begin with. Like I'm not like a, you know, general admission concert get in the mosh pit person. Like I feel panicked. Um, I don't, I don't like crowded parties. Like I don't like feeling trapped and I keep having all these dreams where I'm trapped and I feel like it's partially pandemic. But then my sister of course was like, it's probably also cause you feel like you're not in control now that you're a new mom and you can't control the pandemic and all this stuff. So it's very, I mean, I think everyone is dealing with pandemic panic on like multi levels. Cause you're like, right. You're panicking because of your health. But then also the being alone, but like I'm now starting to feel panic about the world opening back up because I don't know how to be a human anymore in public. Like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I want everything to open up and I want life to be quote unquote normal again. But I'm also like, I don't know how to go to a party. I don't know how to do stand. I don't know how to go to the mall. Like, what do you do at the mall? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But what did you do? What did we do at the mall before? I guess shopped, but like I have a closet full of shit that I have not yeah. worn in um, a year. So, yeah. Are you feeling anxious, George? I mean, I grind my teeth a little bit because of. Uh -huh. So, no, <laughs> I know what you're doing here. No, <laughs> yeah. I think. I think it's, I think you're abnormal if you're not feeling any anxiety right now. Right. Absolutely. I think I'm almost jealous that y'all like I smoke too much weed. I smoke all that away too. I haven't remembered a dream this entire pandemic. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I own, like I have all the anxiety, <laughs> so I'd like to have the dreams as well. Yeah. <laughs> you should keep a, um, I don't know if I talked about this on that episode, but you should keep a notebook I on actually it's an upcoming episode. I interview this wonderful author named Paul Greenberg. I think it'll be up in like three or four weeks, but uh, he wrote a book about being on your phone less and he suggests keeping a notebook by your bed so that the second you wake up, you write down your dream because if you don't, I never remember it. 
you know, I've been taught that before and through yeah. like an acting class actually when I was much younger and I did it for that period of time and it's definitely works. And then, you know, who I 20 years later and a lot of yeah. bong rips, uh, <laughs> you know, those, those plans went out the window, but, but yeah. yeah. Has we been helping you through the pandemic? Sure. <laughs> I mean, like, it's like me and my fiance, like we just are, that's who we are. Like we're, yeah. pals. um, you know, when we have kids, we'll probably that, this is a good question for you. Like, um, first, would you describe yourself as a pothead? I mean, I mean, that's such a, so, I, I guess the term, it always reminds me of like someone in like a Rasta fairy and like. <laughs> Being like, pot's my personality. Um, I mean, I smoke. I really like smoking. My husband likes to smoke. Uh, I've, uh, yeah, I mean, I've been smoking for a very long. Yeah, I like pot. Is that I guess my question is like, how? Have, what's been the strategy since the baby? Well, I use it. I think more. I, um, <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. I didn't when I was pregnant. Um, although some people tried to tell me it would be okay. And I've, I've heard of people like using it for morning sickness and I wouldn't judge that. I feel like with, with the bummer about weed and pregnancy is that nobody is willing to be the guinea pig for it because it's so stigmatized. So anyways, that's a whole other topic. But as far as after having the baby, um, I, and I gave up on trying to breastfeed or pumper you guys know about this uh george does yeah no uh you guys are very hip on the topic of breastfeeding right uh sure. watched the video the other day I'm just, just don't quit um, uh... did you really yeah oh god uh no but i uh i gave up that venture about three months in and so the second i stopped breastfeeding i uh started smoking weed again and i have to say it was I, I don't know how I would have gotten through this pandemic and being a new mom without uh, my weed and my Zoloft um, yes. and my, my zoom yoga, yoga classes. But um, yeah, I'm a big, you know, I, I feel very strongly about this, about destigmatizing parents that use weed. I mean, obviously you shouldn't smoke in front of your kid, like actual smoke. Like we don't smoke weed in the house. We take turns going in the yard, having a joint. I have edibles. I never get like, it's usually at night when she's asleep, you know, or I might have like a little bit during the day, but it's, you know, it's California weed. So each it has a dosage on it and it's like medicine. And I just think it's such a bummer that, you know, you go on Amazon and you type in mom and wine and like a thousand products come up that are like, mommy's drunk. And it's like, just, it's so acceptable to be an alcoholic parent, <laughs> like wink, wink, alcoholic. It's cute. Yeah. But you mentioned weed. I mean, I think it's getting better, but it's still a little rocky. Totally. And I even regret saying the word pothead because you're totally right. And I'm, I'm glad you, <laughs> I, I'm glad I you, you, you. Well, no, no, but uh, that's like a big thing for me too, of like the stigma, this, uh, the stigma of just like being a pothead or like, you know, because like, yeah, it's medicine. And also like, I've been bartending for many years and like being an alcoholic is a lot worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like if you're getting stoned to the fact where like you forget you have a child, I mean, that is yes. problematic, so, but I just think, I don't know. I've read a, a lot of articles about it. Cause I was just sort of curious and I asked a lot of people and more and more people are using marijuana while parenting. And like, everyone's like, it makes me play with my kids. I feel more focused. Like, yeah. I don't know. 
it's, and also with the pandemic, I just feel like everything has been so monotonous. Like I kind you know, it's like, especially with a new kid in the pandemic and I'm not complaining about living in California, but it is the same weather all the time. So pandemic child, same weather every day, my days very much bleed into each other. So it's nice, like around five when I eat half my edible and I'm like, Oh, the day is suddenly different. Like it just kind of like makes it different. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And if I could go back and answer your question, yes. It is getting me through the pan- <laughs> it is getting me through the pandemic. Um, I've said I talk so much. Um, no, no, uh, you asked it, and I said like eh, I gave and I, a, and I answered it. I, and I gave I a typical it. answer, and then <laughs> you reminded me that yes, it absolutely is one hundred percent because, like yeah. you said, what would I? What would you do without? It? Like I can't. I don't. I can't go there. <laughs> what would I do without? Yeah. Like access to to marijuana on a regular basis. Yeah, we. Wait, it's not. Is it legal in New York yet? No, but. Basically, you know. Yeah, and we and George, no, right? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm actually into it. But what I don't like is I don't like conversations about weed. I don't like talking to the weed people. But when I'm, (laughs) so like, but so like, uh, you guys are fine because like I already adore y'all. But what I mean, like, is like, uh, I don't need this sort of Yelp review of of weed from anybody. Yeah. What I do, what I do like is I like sitting here by myself. Because I have nowhere to go, and as if I'm be spinning in a bar until one o'clock in the morning, uh, looking at my cat, <laughs> listening to records, and having like a shitty movie on in the background. That's when I enjoy weed. But like, a, like I have a delivery service, and they're great. Um, I would shout them out, but that would be kind of odd. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's the culture that I'm not yeah. into. Weed itself, I thoroughly enjoy. But it, as long as it's I'm by myself, because I don't want to do with anybody else. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I like if the culture, that's why I keep comparing it to, like, drinking. Because, like, drinking just, it kind of happens. Like, you're not like, oh, I had a glass of wine with dinner. I guess I'm a wine head, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I I use weed like it's a, a, a drink. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm having my nighttime little glass of wine here and there. And... But it is also more in the medicine category. But to, like, walk around and just be like, yo, dude... <laughs> like it's come on you're you're 45 years old you know like open your eyes that 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 terrible laugh that 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 stone (laughs) like it's it's just hard pass i'm gonna take an l on that one i don't need that in my life where where's my car it's like you know you know where your car is you're not getting that high i'm hard pass yeah i agree I agree. That's what's nice about the dispensaries is you don't ever have to have that. Uh, can I, can I leave now? Like, can I go now? Like I've got it. I, we don't have to yeah. continue this. I can go now. And this dispen- Oh, when you get trapped yeah. with yeah. Uh, someone who you're buying weed yeah. from. Yeah. Like oh luckily God. in the dispensary, you could just be like, I'm out. <laughs> but in the conversation of like, Oh, I was in, um, I went to college in Ithaca in very heavy weed town, at least when I was there, I'm sure it still is like a hippie town. And then I was back, I think I went back and like performed at my call. And I was, I was back later on in my twenties and we, my friend who I was with, we wanted to buy weed and like, you know, someone told us about someone and we, you know, we meet up with this guy at the bar and he's got, he's, he's a white guy with dreads and, uh, and he, you know, he's all like wearing sandals in the winter and he's like, all right, dudes, we gotta go. I'm going to get it at my house. So like we go to his house to get the weed. I am not kidding you. 
he, we sat down, he's like, you guys want to smoke real quick, you know? And like you do, cause it's like mm-hmm. courtesy and you kind of want to try the product. So we smoke a bowl with him and then he like, he puts on a, like a, a slideshow kind of thing of like a trip he went on to like Costa Rica. And it was like so many pictures of different marijuana plants. And he was like, oh, this bud, if you can see the crystallization in the flower, I was like, I don't care. Just give me the yeah. weed. <laughs> Taking this to make me relax, and you're making me angry. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, always the, the the white guy with dreads is always the uh, yeah the giveaway. Yeah, my, my brother and I were in in San Diego once, I think, and like visiting our family, and like we went to the farmers market, and there was like a white guy with dreads, and we're like, oh, there we go, and sure yeah. enough, that's how we got weed. Yeah, every time there's a white guy with like when they're when they're the back is too, I was like, oh look at that hot black guy with dreads, and then they turn around and they're white. I'm like, oh look at that stupid white guy with dreads. <laughs> it's like look look at the drummer of fucking uh, the Spin Doctors just now. What's what's that guy doing? <laughs> That's not Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I want to get into this a little bit because uh, I did smoke a little weed on Monday watching The Bachelor, and uh, uh-huh. I know you are a Bachelor fan. So. Uh, I'm a bachelor head. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Yeah. T- tell me some of your thoughts on this season and and uh, how is it different? And what would you like to see? Because I'm new to this world. Yeah. This is the first time you're watching it. It's my first time watching it. It It is garbage television. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching it since the jump, <laughs> since it started in like 2002, 2003. I actually, fun fact, worked on it. I logged footage for them one season. Like I like watched all the unlighted footage. Anyways, that's just a cool, cool fun fact about me. Um, It is, you know, it's, did you watch, uh, you should watch, oh shit. What was that show? Was it on FX? No, it was on um, Stars, I think. And it was like a narr- like a narrative show, like a scripted show, loosely based on like a fake show like The Bachelor, but it was written by former producers from The Real Bachelor. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, I'll check that out because that sounds actually uh, entertaining. I'll look it up, but it really shows you how manipul- like manipulated the contestants are to say certain things and edit it a certain way. Um, so I know the show is trash. That being said, uh, I think it's just so funny that season after se- I mean, the lines burning love. Yes. Wait, no, 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 not burning love. That, that was the mock one. Burning loves the parody with Ken Marino. And- yeah. It's, if you want to look it up, Mary Vess, I'm talking to the producer, uh, for people at home. I don't know. I'm taking over your podcast. By all means. I got you, Julia. You got it. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, but anyways, uh, this season, it's just so funny because the contestants every season say the same lines, the like I'm wearing, I wore my heart on my sleeve. I let my guard down. I've never felt this way with someone. I can't believe how connected I am. And it's like, it's just, and I love when they're like, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I'm like this, this is the hardest thing you've ever had to do live in like a palace wearing ball gowns and like, and like you didn't you know this was going to be hard you're all dating one person and you're like i just am not getting enough time with him it's like what do you think's gonna happen and the weirdest thing is is this past monday they all did the they we met the families mm-hmm. every season they all come from seemingly good families where the dad and mom seem like people that say i'm proud of you i love you we want the best for you and they still go on the show like 
I don't, I've, what, where's the damage that made you go on national television to try (laughs) and supposedly find love at 23? They're all so young too. I love it. (laughs) I would just about to say, I was like, I think you love it. Listening to you describe it, it sounds very, inter- I want to watch. It's so now. funny. It's so funny. That's why. I th- I think the thing that sticks out in my mind, though, from this, this uh, the episode on Monday is the fact that the Bachelor is of mixed race and three of the the, the Bachelorette contestants are of mixed race. Mm-hmm. I would I would have liked for it to have been, for me, to hear like a frank discussion on race. Is that something that, that they don't ever do? Is it something you like to see? I mean, what are they going to talk about? Like, I'm sorry, but know. Matt the Bachelor just seems like uh, he's just he's always wearing a turtleneck and he has literally a turtleneck in every color. And he just is like, oh, OK, yeah, it sounds really hard. Like, I feel like if they did have a serious conversation about race, you know, if Rachel was like, you know, I went to a plantation party, he'd be like, OK, I see. And tell me about it. And he'd have his like they do like a close up of his hand on her knee on her, you know, like like I feel like one of the girls could come out in like a Ku Klux Klan hood and he would still have the hand on the knee. Like, <laughs> and that's all bachelors. It's not talking shit about Matt. They're all just like, give me that knee. I'm going to touch all 30 knees while you tell me the worst thing about yourself. <laughs> Matt is a bit of a. He's a he's a bit of a, a dummy, and and I feel like the, maybe those two things are get they get kind of that gets left out. He's like he says things like I feel that I feel that. Like I think a person ought to bring up something. He's like yep. yeah I feel that I feel that. <laughs> I'm like what are you talking about? You, <laughs> this is so weird. I'm hooked. I I can't stop watching it now. I have to find out who wins. Yeah, it's so it's just um, and then it's we now you have to watch the Bachelorette. Did you watch the Bachelorette? No, I never. This is the first time I've ever watched any of these shows. Oh, actually, one time I watched. A couple episodes because a girl I went to college with was on it. And uh Oh my god, really? Yeah, it's a long time ago. I'm old. But why? Why I, was she on it? To get famous? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what uh she looks like she looks like a lot of the contestants that are on there. Just just she just happened to have like was like, Hey, I will, I'll do this. And uh Yeah, they all do have a they, look. They she they have a look and that Brooke looked like looked like that person. Yeah, I knew a girl from college yeah. that, was on, that was on a she was on for like two weeks, two or three weeks. Part of the Oh, the show is called Unreal. Unreal. That's the scripted show. Okay. And it's it's like I if I'm not mistaken, it was it's made by somebody who used to work on The Bachelor, but it's like a it's basically a drama, a little bit of comedy about people that work on a show like The Bachelor. It's really good. I'll give it a go. The uh aside from The Bachelor, another thing I know about you, you have a it's mentioned in one of your episodes of your podcast. You like cults and like fascination with cults. Obsessed. <laughs> I, I. This is again another thing that I don't know. So tell me more about this, um, because like more about cults. Well, no, but just more about why you like this thing, these this stuff so much. I am fascinated. I like scam. Like I'm fascinated by scams, by cults, by con artists. Um, I think it's a couple reasons. One, I have in my life definitely fallen, I don't even say victim because that sounds really dramatic, but like I've gotten wrapped up into like, you know, self-help books where I was like, everyone's got to read this. It'll change your life. And like, I've spent a lot of money on crystals, you know? Uh, So I've definitely, and sometimes these things have been helpful, but I've definitely in my own life had moments in my life where I was desperately searching for something to fill me or fix me. But 
I always stopped before it got to a give us $10,000 in your soul. So because I've been, I wouldn't even say on the edge because I've been like 30 feet back from the edge of, of ever going that far. I'm fascinated as to, cause I don't think there's a huge difference between me and you guys and these people that join cults. It's just maybe, you know, they find the cult at a, a really vulnerable time or the language, but I'm just so fascinated by what, you know, knocks these people over the edge. Also on another personal level, I, I had an experience where I dated somebody who turned out to be a pathological liar. And so that gives me a little bit of empathy for these people because I consider myself pretty smart and I got hooked into a con. So yeah, those are, I don't know, it's just interesting. And then, and then I watch these like cult documentaries and listen to these cult podcasts. And I'm like, I feel like I could start a cult. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> but like, it's just so, it's just the whole thing is so fascinating to me. I I agree. I also find them fascinating. And my fiance, Hillary, throughout this pandemic, like we've started watching a lot of cult documentaries and she, what did you watch? We, we, we watched heaven's gate. Uh, a lot of things uh-huh. like I had seen already because I'm like into this and I never thought that she would be interested. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden she's like, I love cults. Um, uh, but also, um, uh, wild, wild country. And mm-hmm. there's a few others I'm not remembering, but I'm, did you watch Nexium? The Nexium? No, ones? well, you know, no, but I'd ask you the only reason we didn't watch it is because I heard like after hearing about it and being like, Oh, I want to watch that. I heard from so many people that they're like, it's not good. It's not well done. It's a crazy story, but like there'll be a better podcast or something like that. The HBO one could have just been three episodes. I would watch the one on, I think it's on stars. Okay. I would watch that one. It's shorter and it has more awful details. <laughs> I, I think the other reason why I'm so interested in cults is because I don't know. I just like the, the people who run them, like I'm sort of curious about them. And and also I think what blows my mind is that there's so many things that are clearly cults that aren't considered cults. Like I don't get why, those are all like all the things you mentioned are cults, right? But like politics is a cult. A lot of religions are cults. You know, fantasy f- basketball is my husband's cult, you know, and I'm just kidding. Uh, and, uh, he literally will show me his phone and be like, look who I got as a three point center. I don't know what that means. Yeah. And I'm like, why would I care? And it just proves how much this pandemic has damaged us. But um, I... <laughs> <laughs> that he thinks I care about his fantasy basketball. Uh, but yeah, it, it is interesting to me that like, you know, people living on a farm and all having sex with each other is a cult, but people going online and sharing conspiracy theories. Yeah. I mean, that is a cult. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's interesting that you say that. And I'm also like, I'm very, very interested in like the people at the top and whether or not they believe their own bullshit. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's like with any kind, that's what's fascinated me my whole life about like con artists in general, like a Trump, yeah. a Trump or, or anyone like, like, do they believe it? Like a lot of times, you know that they don't, but like sometimes yeah. you're like, they do actually believe what they're saying. Well, and I think too, so kind of going back to like the whole, cause I, I've, dug hard into the self-help world and there 
you know, that's a great place where I sometimes look at some people. And I think some people who, you know, I think there's some authors and, and, and leaders and, and religious leaders that really their intention is to help. And maybe sometimes they kind of walk the line of, you know, it's hard because everything becomes a business at some point, you know, and I, and I understand, you know, you have to get paid for your time and whatever, like, but I've seen some self-helpy people like, you know, especially now with the internet, like, you know, they have these like YouTube channels where they're like, you watch this video, it will change your life. And then you're like, I'll, I'll Google them. I'm like, who the fuck is this? And why do they have a million followers? And they're just like somebody who just had the, I don't want, I don't know if I want to say balls, but like instinct or I don't know, gall, whatever. I don't know what the word for it is, but they just were like, I'm going to start a channel or I'm going to start this Instagram account where I tell people how it is. And then they write books. And again, like maybe their intention at first is to truly help, but then you're like, what are you even saying? Like you're literally recycling magnets that I see at a gift shop, (laughs) you know, like who are you? And so it just, it just sucks because there's always somebody like there's, there's, legit religions out there that are really helpful to people. And there's people who ruin it. There's like political figures that are legit. And then there's people that ruin it. There's great self-help people. And then there's people that ruin it. So I think I'm really interested in the people that ruin it because I'm so mad that they're ruining it. And I'm curious. I want to be knowledgeable, like how to never get scammed myself, I guess. Totally. And it's interesting to see like how society, like it's the, it's also the idolization of people. You know what I mean? Like the, put, the putting the person over the cause or the thing, you know? Yeah. And that's like the common thread through a lot of these documentaries and a lot of these cults of like, they're worshiping the person, not actually what they're offering. You know? Well, that's a big issue. And I, I mean, I'm curious do you, do you do comedy? I'm sorry, David. Do you do comedy? Or, no, okay. I write. Okay. Um, but I don't know if George can relate to this, but like, that's always been my issue with entertainment too, is that like idolization. Like I was just having this conversation yesterday with my husband. Like I still am uncomfortable with the word fan. And it's not because I think I'm a piece of shit. Like I, I understand why people like me. I, I like what I do. I just, I don't know, like no one's better than, I I don't know, like this sort of, okay, this is, I don't know if this is going to sound shitty and maybe it is. And if people hate me, fine, but like Tiger Woods is injured, right? I am so sorry. Like that is heartbreaking. And I understand he's the greatest golfer of all time. And so that's why it's a big deal. Right. And I, I hope he's okay. But it was like on the news all like it was like for hours it was on the and they, they were all they were doing was just showing the car for like hours and just being like we're still waiting for an update we're still waiting for an update and i was just like okay yes this is you know important in the zeitgeist and pop culture and he's an important figure but like people die every people get injured every day like it just is that make i don't know if i'm verbalizing i'm not discounting what happened to him but this like you know, oh my, stop everything you're doing and watch the special report on Tiger Woods. It's like, what if your own family members in a place? I don't know if that. Totally. And everybody comments on it before. Like, I mean, I got like six things on my phone. I don't even know. Like we were watching a movie or something. And like, they all say the same thing. Like Tiger Woods is in the hospital. It's like, 
oh, oh, oh no. Like I, I hope he's okay. But also like, why am I reading this right now? Yeah. Just it's, and this is probably more of an issue with, you know, technology and media, which (laughs) don't even get me started, but I just, I don't know, like putting anyone in a category of more important than or better than is so subjective And so it's just, it's always, it's been a huge struggle of me as a performer because I, you know, I want to be appreciated and I want to be hired and I want to be recognized for my contributions. But when it gets into like, hey fans, I don't know. I, I, am I making, George, does that relate? Like, do you relate to that at all or? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, as far as the, I guess it was a slow news day yesterday, so I guess that's the reason why it was. It was like you got so much Tiger Woods content. I I actually checked out when I heard the uh, compound fracture. I was like, "All right, yeah. change the channel." I don't want to hear about. It. I hear I hear bone go through skin. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm good yeah. on that one. I'm gonna take another L on that one too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I kind of get what you're saying. It's like it's it's we're all like it's all too much of everything to be of, of, to be honest with you. So. It's weird. Well, and just I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Go ahead. That's it. That's all you have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I figured it was like it wasn't that interesting anyway. It was like they was like, you know what? Let me save this asshole. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, turning everything into a competition. You know what I mean? Like that's or a value, a value placement of like, like you were saying, Julia. Like, I am better than this, and like that's what like the society does to us, like capitalism. Yeah. Like I'm not. There's nothing wrong with the word fan. Like that. That's not what I'm saying at all. And and I I under. I mean, I am a fan of many things. You know what I mean. And I I think it's great to express that because it it makes you feel appreciated. It's the. I mean, I think a lot of it is probably what how social media has. You know, it started with reality TV and now it's social media. That's really kind of anyone. It's just everyone is trying to be more important and popular than everybody else. And that process is so, it turns me off so much that it makes me want to just like throw my laptop in the ocean, crack my phone in half and never say anything in public again. And I'll jump in here too. This is producer Mary Bess with a, with a hot take. Um, hi. <laughs> hi. And just talking about um, like cancel culture and um, you know, the me too movement in, in their own ways, I think are helping break that down through these movements and through this level of accountability that's starting to be circulated in social platforms and from, you know, from fans to, to companies, uh, essentially keeping people accountable for like what they do and what they say, I think ultimately is giving us a lens to look at these celebrities and see them as people rather than glorified um, by what they do or their fame. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to everything, right? Like having fame and having fans helps you get, if you use it for good, it's awesome. I don't even know how I got on this topic. I really do hope Tiger Woods (laughs) is fine. We were talking about cults and like putting somebody above everybody. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess like in, in a way, celebrity feels like a cult at times, you know, and social media has a cult aspect of it too you know like there's those you know there's those people that are popular online or celebrities online and it's like anything they say p- 
people are like, I'm so thirsty for it. And it's not even, I don't, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just old and bitter and and don't understand technology and the way things work now, but I'm just like, it's, I think George actually said it best. It's all too much. It's just like too much energy. And I just want to like, I don't know. I'm tired. You guys, I'm so tired. (laughs) I've, I've never been so tired, not doing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's what we're all Did I just lose my mind? Maybe it's because I'm talking so much about breakdowns on my podcast that I just needed to come on yours and have one. If that was a breakdown, then yeah. you're doing okay. Well, Julia, we brought you on for many, many reasons, but here at the Know Your Rose podcast, we like to sort of compare two things from different walks of life and see if we can sort of make them go together. And uh, I know that you are a fan of two things because being friends with you, I know you're a fan of pasta. I've seen many videos of you cooking pasta (laughs) and I've, and I know you're a fan of pop stars before we get into our game. You and I have discussed this via text, but I want to talk to you and Dave and uh, to our listeners about the Britney Spears doc. This is the second week in a row that we talked about this, but I want to kind of get your take on what you thought of it because I know you watched it. I mean, holy shit. Like, I mean, I remember when all that stuff was going on, when she shaved her head, when she, you know, hit the, hit that guy's car. Like, I remember at that time thinking, remember there's a whole leave Britney alone video. And then that guy became a joke. I was so on board with that guy. It, it like, She's a, this, this actually really actually goes in line with, we were just talking about celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like she's a human being and that notion of like, yeah, but she's in the public eye. She's available for scrutiny. It's like, but she's a human being. And like, I, I don't know if they said this in the doc. I think they did, or maybe someone said it online. I'm sorry if I'm not quoting whoever it was, but like, Oh, it was um, Craig Ferguson, I think, in his monologue that he did, because he did a monologue defending her at the time at late night, because he was the only late night host that did. He was saying how, like, humor is supposed to be used to take down people of power who are abusing their power. You know, like, you you take down a politician who's being corrupt. You take down an evil business person who's stealing. You don't take down a girl that is, like just being controlled. And like the second she's sexual, she's the, and I don't know, there was this great, um, do you know, Mara Wilson? Sure. Yeah. She wrote this really great article in the New York times today about her experience with like, basically how girls are brought or, or, you know, risen, uh, like, uh, I forget what the term she used, but like we build girls up just to tear them down and how like at, you know, 13, 10 years old, she was being asked questions like, do you have a boyfriend yet? And it's like, it's just, it's really gross. Well, we're glad we got your take on that. The, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I try my hardest to sort of this segues has never been like my favorite thing in stand up, uh-huh. but I'm trying to make it work on, on, a, on, on, on podcasting yeah so i'm like all right okay moving right along (laughs) (laughs) or just adr something in hilarious that you said as a second yeah 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 but you know what as i was watching that doc i was eating a bowl of pasta (laughs) (laughs) just lie just lie there you go exactly exactly so we, uh, I sent you an email about the the, the game and how it works, and uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do pasta first, uh-huh. then to a pop star that rep- represents that pasta. Okay. And Julia, since you are our guest, how about you go first with your first pasta and pop star? Oh, I so I pick a pasta and a pop star that I think are mm-hmm. okay. Um, okay, I'm gonna go fusilli. 
Ooh, okay. Okay. But from Italy, like authentic, good Fusilli, uh, Lady Gaga. Okay. Yeah. What is the, uh, what, what this is like, explain to our listeners is like why you chose that one and for that. Well, I said authentic from Italy. Yes. I, because she's Italian mm-hmm. and from the side, I do kind of look like her, uh, the, sh- the nose, uh, you know, like, you know, in, um, oh, oh my God, why am I blanking on the movie? The wonderful movie with, uh, uh, Why am I blanking? The remake, the Star is yes. Born. A star, yes, a Star is Born. When she's doing the nose thing, I was like, oh my god, it's me. Um, I felt so seen. She, so she's an authentic Italian, so she deserves like high quality, organic, you know, from Italy pasta and fusilli. You know, it's it's unique. It's it's tr- you know it, it uh it's twirly. You know, it's kind of. I, I was debating between that and farfalla, but I, I think. Fusilli. I'm gonna go with Fusilli. Okay, Dave. All right. So I was doing more like like dishes and stuff, you know. Oh, um, yeah. There's no. Uh, uh, everyone's interpretation is their own here on on, on Know Your Role. So there's no wrong answers. Okay. Um, and the first one I had was Cacao e Pepe, ah. which is a very classic, you know, old school pasta, but something that I feel like is be is making like a comeback. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that people constantly modernize and like if you see it on menus, but it also can be really like tacky, like when they do it in like the big cheese bowl. <laughs> um, which is why as a pop star, it is Dion Warwick. Oh. Classic, done a lot of different things, not all of them great, but also uh she's relevant again because she's hysterical on Twitter. George. All right. So I'm going to ramp up to my, uh, my final pasta dish, but the first one I'm going to do is a, it's a starter. So I'm going to do a pasta fagioli and, uh, which means, which translates, uh, (laughs) pasta and beans. It's a a traditional pasta soup, uh, started in like peasant community. And for me, like the pasta is always the, the star of this dish, even though I enjoy the beans, I prefer like the pasta, but you do need both. I just happen to enjoy the pasta more. So for me, pasta fagioli is wham because uh, I enjoy the George Michael part of the Andrew Ridgely wham experience. Pasta fagioli is wham. That's considered pop stars? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. That's considered pop stars. Okay. Come on. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, wait, back to me. Back to you. Oof. All right. I'm going to say, let me think here for a second. Um, a baked ziti kind of, it's a lot of elements. People mm-hmm. all have, you know, some people put ricotta, some people put mozzarella, some people put meat, some people don't, you could do vegetarian, you could do a gluten-free pasta, you could do veggies, baked ziti. It's kind of a mess and it's a bunch of shit thrown in it. I'm going to say that is any boy band backstreet boys in sync new kids on the block it's it's often just a bunch of people that were cast right together uh Dan- danity kane you know uh they were just they were all selected <laughs> uh and and then thrown in this mix to uh make beautiful mouth music <laughs> sometimes good sometimes terrible really depends who you are mm-hmm. dave i like that i also mine is also something that's like super versatile and I went with the uh, filled pasta. So you could do either ravioli or if you want to do class it up, you could have like an annulotti or something. <laughs> and uh, like I said, 
It's simple, but complex. There's a lot going on. You can do a lot of different things. That's why as a pop star, it's J-Lo. She can do it all, sing, act, dance, and all to various levels of success throughout her career. Some good, some bad. And uh, also her partners, some good, some bad. <laughs> Although maybe they're... I, I was remembering when I was thinking about that. Is Mark did Mark Anthony turn out to be a douchebag? I think so. Because I want to say he's the good one, and A Rod is the not so great one. <laughs> he's the frozen the frozen ravioli that you just buy at the store. But uh, yeah, anyway, George filled pasta, J Lo, you're up next. All right, so uh, my next pasta dish, I I want to talk about things that is like that's in essence is four main ingredients. So I want these four things to be working in unison. So I'm talking about chicken cacciatore over over pasta. So I've got I've got my braised chicken, my got onions, and my peppers over pasta. So I want those four things. Without those four things, you don't really have that great dish. So with the four of them together is abba, and I think abba. So like those four of those four units working together to make this one thing a complete dish. So chicken cacciatore is the abba of pasta dishes, Julia. Oh, all right. I'm going to go with gnocchi. Okay, nice. It's it's such a fun, it's just gnocchi, you know, it's just, it's got like a, that kind of, whatever that, I'm, I'm shimming my shoulders for those of you who can't feel it, but I'm gnocchi, you know, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's small and it's bite-sized, but it, it, depending on how you dress it up, it packs a punch. And uh, I just think it's like a very, you know, it's, it's in its own it's in its own category, right? It's, and uh, it's kind of a surprise. I feel like every time I see a gnocchi on a menu, I'm like, okay, uh, Cardi B. She's like a real gnocchi, you know? She just kind of, yeah, you know, like I can just hear her voice in the gnocchi and I love it. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Dave. All right. Um, <laughs> my next one um, doesn't have a name, but it's like, it doesn't have a specific name, but it's like any short pasta. Usually it's orchiette and like fennel sausage, broccoli rob, and like pecorino cheese. Very classic. But I think that it's like under, it's an underrated dish. Um, but it's very comforting and delicious. And again, very, so I wanted to compare it to somebody who I think is somewhat underrated, but very talented. And that's pink. It's pink. Uh, okay. Hey, if you haven't seen those uh, that performance of hers on the Spanish web or whatever from the Grammys from 10 years ago, you should watch that. It's incredible. <laughs> Into it. <laughs> All right, George. All right, so for my next uh, pasta dish, I'm going to go with creamy lemon zucchini. It's a pasta dish that I've, that I've gotten before. Now, when described to me, I was kind of, kind of all out. It's like uh, it's cooked down with olive oil onion and garlic it becomes like this sort of creamy and this sort of mushy type deal i was like that sounds that doesn't sound great and then like i tried it it was like holy shit that sounds amazing and for me that is the casey musgraves of pop music now first hearing about this person i'm like i don't know country pop and then i hear songs like pageant material and dime store cowgirl and high times and then i saw that video of her opening a a concert in Houston singing <laughs> Selena songs in Spanish. And I was like, you know what, Casey Musgraves, I'm in that corner. I enjoyed this. And that's how I feel about creamy lemon zucchini pasta, the Casey Musgraves of pop music. Julia. 
Um, wow, I didn't prepare just so you guys know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, these are all improvised. I didn't know I was supposed to do homework. Uh, I knew we were going to play this, but I, you know. Um, okay, I'm going to go with, let's see. Okay, I'm going to go with one of my favorite dishes that I have at a place in Los Angeles. Shout out to Alimento. Uh, and they make this really great, um, it's, it's a cold dish. It's a farro salad. And it has this, I guess it's, I don't know if it's like a salted hard ricotta or if it's like, it's almost like a feta type of cheese. I think it's ricotta salata and um, it's mixed in and it's just so, uh, mm, I'm making like a lot of like <laughs> mouth. To me, I find it very, it's like refreshing, but also uh, like deep and savory. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to call it Drake. Uh, cause I, I think that he is very pop and, you know, if you saw the tour of his home, uh, he's, you know, cheesy, uh, you know, uh, but, but he's also like, you know, he's got like every song has like one or two lines that kind of like hit my heart a little bit where I'm like, Oh damn, <laughs> like I've been there, you know? And then the rest of the song is like, I'm dancing bad, but like <laughs> those two lines are just, so it's a really a, a mix of like refreshing light, but also like packing the punch. For someone in prayer, you're kind of killing it over here. I, I know. I was going to say the only thing you were doing by not preparing, <laughs> it, you're just making us look bad. <laughs> I am a hundred percent Italian. Um, I don't um, think you, yeah. Do you see how I, my name is spelled? Um, I, yeah. Yeah. This is like one of those things is like, I don't need any preparation no. for this. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just roll out of bed and, and <laughs> bust out a triple double. <laughs> Dave, what is your next one? Well, I have to say, you know, I have to first thank you, Julia, for just like, uh, birthing this topic into the world, <laughs> into the, the know your, it was all George, the know your roles. Yeah. But it came from knowing you, um, uh, <laughs> But because I, my fiance and I went to Italy about a year and a half ago. Ooh. I know. I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just spend the first 10 minutes that you're not on the show just talking about that. So, um, no, um, no, but I, but it was like, so it I got to look through pictures of pasta. <laughs> so, so I thank you for that. Um, nice. and the next one is something that like, I was looking through pictures of it while I was listening to, uh, this person sing and I was crying. It brought me to tears. <laughs> um, and the pasta dish is a matrashana, which is like a super simple, like spicy tomato sauce with like guanciale and uh, mm. um, some kind of cheese, pecorino probably. And I, like I said, I think it's one of the, it's the, that specific dish that I was looking at pictures of in Rome is one of the best things that I ever ate. That's why it has to be one of the best to ever do it. Again, someone who will bring me to tears, just like the pasta. And that's Whitney Houston. Whitney. Mm. Oh man. I went on a, like a 10 minute long, like dive of Whitney Houston videos. And I was not George. <laughs> All right, for for uh, my next dish is like I want something something rich, something heavy, something big, some butter, some cheese, and my next dish is fettuccine alfredo. So when I think of my my favorite pop stars who remind me of rich and big and heavy, but also awesome, and that is for the the late great Luther Vandross. He is the fettuccine alfredo of the pasta world, and. Uh, 
uh, here and now. And uh, there's never too much. Shout out to me for for, for doing two Luther Vandross songs after talking about <laughs> Luther Vandross. So good, good job by George. Uh, Julia, what's your final pasta dish and your final pop star? Who do you have? Okay. I'm trying to remember the, I'm trying to remember the, the guy's name. Um, okay. I'm going to say, this is going to be a huge loop. Pad Thai. Mm-hmm. It's technically a pasta, right? And you forget you're eating it. You're like, wow, Thai food, huh? But those are noodles and that's pasta. It's just, I mean, you know, it's covered and it's got peanuts. Would you ever put peanuts in an Italian pasta dish? Absolutely not. But you put it in a Thai dish and it's still pasta. So <laughs> who's the fool now? And so I'm going to compare Pad Thai to Little Nas. Because <laughs> is he a country singer? Is he a pop singer? Is he a rapper? What is he? All I know is he wore a great outfit at, I think it was the Grammys last year. And he's so cute. And... I, you know, I would love to hang out with him and I'm always down for some pad thai as long as it's not cold and sticky. Perfect. <laughs> Dave, close this on out. All right. I My uh, last pasta dish is something that I probably would say is my favorite pasta dish. The best thing. It's very simple. Uh, again, one of George's four ingredient pastas and that's carbonara. Carbonara. I could eat it every day of the week. It's also something you could do it so many different ways. And it's also something that like, uh people like modernize and like do it you know try different totally different things uh but again it's something that's ma- been made for a hundred years so it stands the test of time very classic very powerful and always satisfying that's why it's got to be the top of the game beyonce it's beyonce it's uh nice i i am part of the the bay hive of carbonara carbonara <laughs> fans i don't know what the equivalent <laughs> would be but <laughs> So, yeah, George, why don't you uh, hit us with your last one? Um, uh, my last one is a uh, <laughs> nice producer, Mary Beth, Carbe Nara. Yeah. <laughs> thank, you, thank, you, thank, you. thank you, producer, Mary Beth. If Best, you like you. it, then you should have put Parmesan on it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for my last one, um, I, I've, uh, I, it actually translates to uh, Little Sleeves, Large Pasta Tubes. Filled with ricotta cheese and chopped spinach and some ground meat. And uh, there's clearly a star in this dish. And I'm talking about manicotti, by the way. There's like clearly a star, so it's probably the pasta. But I think you need them all working together. So for me, that pasta dish is uh, the Supremes. Diana Ross being clearly the star. But you also need the late, great Mary Wilson. And you also need the late, great Flo Bauer, oddly enough, my favorite Supreme. So manicotti is the Supremes. A pasta dishes. Nice. So, you know, I try. Well, Julia, I know that you've got a lot going on. Dave, do you have anything else for Julia before we let her go? I don't think so. That was uh, that was so much fun. Again, I want to say thank. None of us said the same pastas. No, which is actually like I feel like that's wow. somewhat rare for like uh, when we've done with a guest like these kind of things. We usually like double up, which is fine too. Um, but again, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Again, like just giving me that that like you know those looking through those pictures an excuse to look through those pictures. I appreciate it. Nice, Julia. Before we let you go, plug something for us and. Where can we find all your stuff? 
First of all, I want to say I really do wish Tiger Woods a speedy recovery. I just want to make it clear that that was not a jab at him. Um, and I love my fans. Uh, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter, Julia Rossi. It's spelled with the G. You can probably see it on the screen or whatever. Uh, Instagram is Ms. Julia Rossi. And if you want to listen, subscribe to my podcast, Should I Get Bangs? It's on iTunes and Spotify and all those places. And, you know, until I get to leave my house, that's it. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. No, thanks for doing it. It's so lovely to uh, to at least see you in some capacity. I know we chat from time to time uh, via text about The Bachelor. Or, or, yeah. Uh, I, I sent you like a long thing about left eye, which I'm so sorry. Yes, so sorry. I sent, you, no. I sent you that. Do not apologize. I was, I was feeling some left eye, some left eye things uh, <laughs> for some reason. I was like... <laughs> I was like having a conversation. I was like, and yeah, and another thing. And I'm going to text my friend in LA right now. <laughs> uh, producer Mary Beth, do so you have anything else for uh, Julia Rossi? But I will ask, um, have you tried this feta tomato pasta challenge? Has anybody since today's topic is, uh, is pasta? What is that? Ah, it's this, it's this baked feta challenge where people put um, a, a block of feta in a dish. with. No. Nope, that never you. <laughs> That's so much. I'm lactose intolerant. I shouldn't be having any of this. But. Uh, <laughs> it's all, it's, it's like an entire block of feta. So yeah, definitely. And, yeah. Unless you chose a, a vegan cheese, which I, as someone who worked in a cheese shop for four years, I tried a vegan <sighs> cheese and, and I'm happy to say it, it, it held up. Yeah. I've had some, some lovely vegan I mean, a, a really, a really good cheese won't hurt your stomach. It's all the, you probably know this. It's all the shit that they put in the cheese. Like I went to France and I was eating cream galore god i miss it that was my that was my drop david i was in france <laughs> i was in france in 2019 and powie eating cheese <laughs> great awesome so i'm not alone i'm the only one who yeah well, yeah but um cool. yeah again from from me as well i'll say thank you so much this was a joy yeah thank you there you go. all right well that was great uh Thank you to Julia for that wonderful convo and game. Hope you all enjoyed. And now we're going to finish the show out with uh, Last Call, where we talk about uh, what we're looking forward to and what we are looking out for in the next week or so. George, what's, uh, what's, uh, what do you got going on? What, what are you looking forward to? There's just really two things that I'm going to be checking out that I, I'm excited about getting. One is like I just bought the... Uh, the the death record and uh for those of you who don't know there's like death was this all black punk band from the 70s they have a documentary called a uh, a band called death and uh i just got the record off of a uh, drag city of drag city's website for 20 bucks it's 29 songs and it also comes like another thing which part of the reason why i bought it which is like another like uh like 45 with it and uh i'm looking forward to the checking out on my uh on my my record player and uh one last thing i want to shout out to uh my friend Pamela Masters, who left me a record at uh, the Double Windsor. She left me the the latest uh, Run the Jewels record uh, just as a gift. So, Pamela, thank you for leaving that record. Dave, what is your last call stuff and what are you looking forward to this weekend? Sick. Um, that th- I want I, I now I'm going to go out and buy that or going to go online <laughs> and buy uh that that death record because that they, it's the, their original record right you're talking about it's like the yeah so one that drag city i guess made like a handful of years ago um uh 
it's it's short it's like 29 minutes but i think if but every song they're incredible it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Oh my yeah it's pretty God. good and that doc is awesome yeah the doc is great it's like uh for our listeners who have not seen it it's like a band called death was this all black punk band a set of brothers in like 1973 detroit detroit um uh awesome they they no label was interested uh and then one label was like we like you guys we just need for the chance of name one of the brothers was like no i don't think so and then like uh apparently they cut to like 30 something years later it was like one of the most traded or sought after 45s of all time people were paying like thousands of dollars for this 45 record because it's like if somebody got it and they're like wow these guys are awesome blah blah blah, blah. next thing you know what drag city puts out the record 2012 i think 2014 something like that and i just got a I just got a copy of it so super excited listening to it well i mean listen to my vinyl if you like this show and you like us and you haven't heard that record, like you go put that on and you will, I guarantee every person will be like, how the fuck did I not hear? Like, it's the best mm-hmm. shit ever. When I heard it, like, you know, which was obviously many, many years after it was made, I was like, why aren't these guys incredible? I mean, yeah, they're incredible. Anyway, I won't get too far off on talking, but that was, that was <laughs> your, uh, that was yours. Um, but uh, yeah, I highly, I second that. They're awesome. Um, just a couple of really quick things that I'm looking forward to. One, if you are listening to this uh, the day it drops, which is Friday, February 26th, then there is something tonight that I am going to uh, virtually. I mean, it's a, it's a virtual show, but it's called Missed My Stop. It's a comedy show. And it's a fundraiser for mayoral candidate Diane Morales. And it's hosted by Diane Morales and Chris De La Cruz and featuring some comedians, including Millie Tamares, Lorelai Ramirez, and friend of the pod, Josh Gondelman. (laughs) He's doing another, uh, another online fundraiser for a good cause. So shout out to him and uh, all those people. And uh, yeah, uh, support Diane Morales and uh, see some comedy missed my stop it's about like living in new york city and stuff tonight friday all right cool the the only the other thing that i'm gonna try to watch this week is uh this new netflix movie i care a lot which with rosamund pike which uh i'm not i don't know like a ton about the movie and it looks interesting and i've heard like kind of mixed things but actually i'm friends with the guy who shot it with the with the DP, the cinematographer is named Doug Emmett. He's a wonderful guy. He's uh, also a very, 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 very talented cinematographer. He shot uh, "Sorry to Bother You," and um, he shoots the that HBO show "Room 104." Um, he's what is that about? Because I feel like she has a very, very high approval rating in the George Gordon house. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's supposed to be like a slick, uh, dark comedy type mystery thriller (laughs) i don't really know i just know that doug shot it and he posted about it and i was like rosamund pike and then i opened up netflix and it was like the first thing and i was like oh i'll give that give that a a george gordon sniff (laughs) um but yeah i care a lot it's on netflix uh that's it that's all i got we're gonna check in with producer mary best for the buzz what uh what is going on in your world, MB. Thanks, Dave. So my friends at Strange Flavor Burger Shack, located inside the Johnsons in Bushwick, have opened a new location this week called Strange Flavor Noodle Shop at the Broadway. 
also in Bushwick, Brooklyn, uh, where they present a plethora of gorgeous Szechuan-style dishes. Uh, so the Burger Shack, which features a menu of American fast food dishes with a Southeast Asian and Sichuan twist, uh, they're known for their uh, stellar crispy chicken sandwich, and they offer vegetarian options as well. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's heaven. It's so good. And if that weren't enough, Strange Flavor has a killer t-shirt for sale. I have one of my very own, and I love it. And 100% of proceeds are donated monthly to community organizations working for social change, uh, prioritizing the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, it features original artwork by Matt Klein, and you can purchase one or order delivery online at strangeflavor.me, that's M-E, and you can find Strange Flavor Noodle Shop at thebroadway.nyc, and both restaurants have platforms on Instagram. Check them out. Awesome. I'm... Uh... With, with all that talk of that and all the pasta that we've talked about, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go eat something. You can order delivery, uh, maybe from, uh, from one of those lovely restaurants, strange flavor noodle shop. Yeah. I got to get on that. Uh, thank you very much. Mary Bess. Producer Mary Bess, everyone. You are quite welcome. Thanks guys. All right. Well, uh, I think we did it for another week. I think we did. Yeah. A lot of pasta dishes. The uh, incredible job by us this week. Shout out! Shout, <laughs> shout out, to, out. To, to the three of us, to us, and our guest Julia Rossi. <laughs> shout out to us. It's like we shout out to other things. It's like how about we shout out each other? Good job by you, Dave. Good job by you, Mary Beth. <laughs> Good job, George. And, and oh, thanks thank to to Julia Rossi. So, guys, uh, next week on Know Your Rules Pod, we are actually uh, going to be just myself, George Payton, Gorner Third. David Kleiman and producer Mary Bush, just three of us. And next week, we're going to be talking about sidekicks and side items. There's a whole lot of things we're going to get into there, but um, uh, you should join us for, for next week's pod. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I'm uh yeah, I'm already, I'm already thinking about that. <laughs> so uh, everybody look for us next week, of course, subscribe, rate and review. Follow us at K Y R pod on Twitter and instagram and uh with that i will say everybody stay safe and healthy and of course i will say wear your mask over your fucking nose that includes you guy who i saw the other day at the grocery store who was who had it around the chin i don't know what you're doing with that but uh you uh are a shit for brains <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And if you're if you're only wearing one yeah. mask, wear two from now on. Wear two. So and I've uh, I've gotten to the point where <laughs> I just wear I wear the bandana just in casual settings now because I have a mask on and I'm just like I'll throw the bandana right over that. The bandana is my favorite part of what happened what has happened this year. I think the bandana is a fucking cool look. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. We are out. <laughs>